Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. And welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. And I'm Arnie. And are you ready to party? Yes, I am. I've been waiting to party for a long time. Well, we're going to celebration, so you better get this party started. How many other party songs do you know? Marjorie likes to party all the time. Party all the time. Party all the time. And we're partying down at celebration. And if you don't get your tickets pretty soon, you might not be partying with us. Yeah, tickets are moving pretty fast, and we are going to cap it this year to kind of keep it not overcrowded. We want people to have a chance to mix, mingle, and yet still have a little bit of elbow room, not pack the house. So we are over a third of the way sold out already. So if you want your tickets, I mean, that's less than two weeks it took to sell a third of the tickets. By this rate, we will be sold out before the end of June. Yes. So you want to get your ticket early. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have music, cake makers back. We've got some ideas. We're playing around with her and some cool stuff's coming. Our Han and Carbonite cake was a huge hit and delicious. (laughs) He's in perfect hibernation and incredibly tasty. Yes. Our cake baker's from Disney, so it's going to be a fantastic cake again. And like last time, we're partnering with Yak Face on this, and it's going to be a good time for all. So you can get your tickets right now. There's a link from both Yak Face and SWActionNews.com. And in other celebration news, StarWarsCelebration.com posted what people have been wondering about for a while. What are the collecting panels going to be giving away this year? I know... These have been hot commodities, those coins at Celebration 4. I think nothing has topped the coins. People would camp out literally all day for the chance to get those coins. I didn't quite understand the madness there because while full sets did go for several hundred dollars on eBay, I'm thinking you spent money on an airplane ticket, you spent money to get into the con, and that's your whole con experience is coin hunting. Mm Mm-hmm. But they were so cool. I cherish the ones I have. We didn't get full sets of the regulars. We just got the ones for the panels we went to that happened to have coins. They were a lot of fun. Then Celebration 5, those cereal boxes, very awesome. Even came with real cereal inside. Well, at Celebration 6, what's it going to be? The answer is something that I find very cool, but I really only found out about in the past few weeks, and that's Star Tots. 
Yeah, now a lot of you are probably like, what the what? And what it is, is it's an unproduced Kenner toy concept from 1978 for little kids, like preschool age kids. Like Superhero Squad, the vintage edition. Yes, exactly. That's a great way to put it. These were one and three quarter inches tall. And what they're doing is, instead of reproducing a figure that was never produced, so these figures are still technically unproduced, they're taking what would have been the figure, the design, and making a flat-backed little collectible of it, kind of like a pin but without the pin, and it's enamel coating on the front, so it's full color, and they're really cute, actually. Now... They're going beyond even the vintage. When I first learned about Star Tots was before this was announced, but just a few weeks ago when we went to see Gus Lopez's collection. And remember, Gus and Duncan have the book to Star Wars prototypes. Gus has an incredibly impressive collection of he Star does. Wars prototypes, including the Star Tots. He has several of the prototype Star Tots from the 70s that were just concept moldings done by Kenner, never produced. And I got a chance to see those, and I'm like, well, that's really cool. And yeah, I got the Superhero Squad analogy. Well, now they're doing that, and because it was never produced, they never had that deep a line of characters. Well, they are doing 20 of these for Celebration. So they are going to be doing characters that the vintage era never even thought of producing in this line. And these are going to be really cool. They've got the original artwork. They're going to be given away at every panel, which is great. And there's a lot more Celebration collector news to come. Star Wars Celebration teases to stay tuned for a schedule of collection track programming, collector swap meets, and more all at Celebration 6 this August. And we will share that news as soon as it's out on StarWarsCelebration.com. So I am really looking forward to Celebration. I can't believe how close it is. I know. It's barely two months away. And we're only a month away from Comic-Con. It's... I know, and it doesn't really seem like it should be that soon, does it? No. It's early this year. It, it is. It's, it's very early. weeks earlier than usual. Yeah. And we're going to be talking more about Comic-Con later on, but we will be having another Star Wars fan get-together at Comic-Con. Yes, the Unfan Club Breakfast. Yes. So stay tuned for details on that. We are working with a location at Comic-Con right now to set up the exact time, but that was a great time last year. We loved everyone who came out, and hopefully, if you're going to Comic-Con, you'll be able to join us for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the store report. I can't recall a time in a recent while where I haven't bought something Star Wars in a week, be it a book, an impulse buy book at Toys R Us, or a bookmark at Barnes & Noble, or a figure, even just a troop build. But this past week, I didn't buy anything Star Wars physically in stores. How'd that work out for you? I'm sorry, let me go all Dr. Phil on you. How's that working out for you? Not very well. I know you're itching to buy stuff. I can I, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. As announcements come out online, I'm like, Ooh, do I need it? Do I need it? Do I need it? I was so upset. I went to Toys R Us every day this week. Every single day, because not only had it had figures both of the past two weeks. And I guess I'm an optimistic dog because there was a study to show if dogs are optimistic and pessimistic. And the way you do this, if you have a pet, you can try this out and find out if your dog is optimistic or pessimistic. Put a treat someplace and the dog will come in and just find the treat. And then next time the dog comes in, put the treat there again. Well, if every time they go in there, the dog looks at that spot for another treat, even if there isn't one, 
the dog is an optimist, thinking there's going to be a treat there next time. If the dog stops looking and then you put a treat there and it takes a while for the dog to find it again, the dog's a pessimist. He's given up. He's like, ah, probably no treat there this time either. Well, I'm an optimistic dog. I found figures at Toys R Us two weeks in a row. I'm there. Is there something today? No. Is there something today? No. Is there something today? No. And... It helped that they were having a buy one, get one 40% off sale. The week before, they did buy one, get one half off, but that was just for figures. I wasn't able to apply it to the deluxe vehicles I'd found. I was really hoping maybe I'd find more deluxe, maybe some of those new battle packs that were up at Hasbro Toy Shop a couple months ago, maybe new vintage figures. Hell, maybe I'd finally see the movie heroes or the Clone Wars figures I hadn't spotted. No, and nothing, and even trips to Walmart and Target proved equally fruitless. I know. I've been purposely going to Walmart and Target a little bit more for you to double down and try to increase our chances of finding stuff, but I've not even seen any evidence of anything new. Our Walmarts are so stocked to the gills that if they had new figures, that I don't know where they'd put them. Ours did this very bizarre thing, one of our Walmarts, and put a Thundercats peg right in the middle of the Star Wars display. I don't really know why they did that. Okay, well, that's where they could put them in that store. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know. The Thundercats weren't moving either. I went to a local hardware store we have here called Menards, and I was in the garden section buying some hose, and I looked, and the toys were right there. Now, I normally don't look at toys at this store because they have those toys like they sell at Cracker Barrel, you know, those old-fashioned toys that your aunt you see once a year brings you that you're like, yeah, great, and it goes to the bottom of the toy pile. But they actually had name brand stuff there this time, which is very unusual. But the only Star Wars item they had was a Star Wars bop bag. Now, here's why I almost bought it. It has a sprinkler on top. So it's a little punching bag, you know, like they used to have when we were little. But it's got a built-in sprinkler. You attach your hose to it, and you can bop it all over and get wet at the same time. Arnie declined on that. I don't know why. Yeah, bopping it all over while getting wet? I don't know. That doesn't sound like... My idea of a good time. Uh, I think it does sound like a good time. You just would want to see, like, the dogs freak out when a bop bag starts spewing water all over them. Yeah. I had to pass. I'm itching to buy, but I thought when you sent me that text message, you were, like, at a Big Lots or a Dollar General again. I had no idea it was at Menards. No. no. It'll show up at a Big Lots or a Dollar General. It will. It will. No, at Dollar General, I found Star Wars boxing gloves for $4. Passed on those two. Yes, they were inflatable. I mean, maybe I needed those for the bop bag. I guess. I don't know. And then I went to Gordman's, and I'm not really sure why I went, because I don't like the store, but every once in a while they have toys. That are unexpected. Yes, it is something unexpected. You're right. They had the Transformers Little Ships. You know, the little tiny ones are like of the size of a deck of cards. They had those. They did have the new vintage line. But it was Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that wave that you could find anywhere. Those are also showing up at our TJ Maxx. The Transformers are there. And I actually did see some Attack of the Clones vintage figures at TJ Maxx as well. How much were they at TJ Maxx? Nine. They were $9 here also, but they had that previous price, $13. So did TJ Maxx. Yeah. So they must get their closeouts from the same place, even though allegedly Hasbro doesn't do closeouts. Oh, they do closeouts. What they don't do, and I believe them, is recall things like Garna figures, take them off the cards, and then put them in boxes and sell them as battle packs because that costs more than just making new figures. But I was able to buy a new Star Wars three and three quarter inch figure this week. You bought one figure and it's very exciting. It is. But I don't know if it'll be here before Comic-Con, quite honestly. Amazon had Darth Malgus. And you know that figure is hard to find. 
on eBay. He's going for 30 bucks. He was going for as high as 80 just a few weeks ago, but now the cases have started shipping. Well, a store called Buy For Less UK was an Amazon reseller. You know, Amazon has all those resellers. They could be people. They could be stores who sell their stuff online. For some reason, Darth Malgus got down to $16.55 shipped on Amazon. Wow, that's a good price. Now, because it's the UK and it was free shipping, average shipping time was 28 days. I could get sober in 28 days. (laughs) But instead, I'll get a Darth Malgus in 28 days. The price did jump up the next day from the same seller. It makes me wonder if there was an algorithm error to price it so low. I mean, we've seen the figures we talked about before on Amazon for 12 or $13, but this figure never went that low. But if you read the story about the million-dollar book and things, there are programs that Amazon sellers buy that have algorithms in them. So they can say whatever the lowest-priced one is, Mark mine 50 cents or a dollar less or whatever the highest priced one is. Mark mine 10% more. Well, you get two people on there with the same algorithm that says whatever the highest price is, mark mine 10% more. And you forget to say up to this price. There's stories out there about how a book was listed for a million dollars. And it's because somebody else had the same algorithm and they kept upping the ante like a bad game of poker before their book was listed at a million dollars. Well, I wonder if maybe Buy for Less UK, their name is Buy for Less, (laughs) if they had something out there like whatever the price is, mark me cheaper, because they're still the cheapest shipped on Amazon. They're right now up to $33, though. But we went and sent out a Star Wars Action News new release newsletter about this. So if you aren't subscribed, head to our homepage and choose newsletters under subscribe and subscribe to both our new episode newsletter and our new release newsletter where we send out great deals such as that one. We posted it to Facebook. We posted it to Twitter. I hope everyone got one that wanted one. I ended up ordering one, and then I had a good conversation with Scott from Tulsa. He's like, do you remember when we said $10 was the most we'd ever pay for a figure? And now we're just really happy to be getting them at 16 shipped. And that was a moment of realization there about how quickly our standards have changed. But I will say I only do this for the vintage figures. I am now checking Amazon first thing in the morning and last thing at night for cheap figures. I'm down to just finding the same stuff I could find at Walmart for $4 on there. But they also do have the movie hero figures I don't have and the Clone Wars figures I don't have. And they range in price from $13 to $20 a figure. And I won't do that for movie heroes. I won't do that for Clone Wars. Those are cheaper figures that I won't go above $10 on. But for vintage... If I find them at Toys R Us, I'm paying 13 a figure anyway. And you take out sales tax, you take out shipping. 16 for Malgus is a little bit higher, but I want to be sure I got an opener of him. And I do have that case of figures coming. I went ahead for that way because I wanted a wedge. I wanted a Malgus guaranteed. I ordered a case of these from Entertainment Earth, but Malgus being a much rarer figure... I decided I'd go 16 on him. So you won't pay $10 for a figure. That was your unofficial, unwritten rule. However, now it's morphed to paying 16.50 for an opener? 
Yeah, because I couldn't guarantee the condition he'd come in being from Amazon. So it's definitely an opener. I think that's amusing. I have Star Wars tattoos. Who am I to bulk over $6 a figure? But I can see where $10 is a breaking point for a lot of people. I've said it before on the show. I'll say it again. I think that with the exception of rare exclusives that I think they're entitled to charge more on, I would be fine with the vintage line going away and bringing back just another basic line like they have movie heroes and Clone Wars, like they did before, Droid Factory, whatever, and not having so many lame soft goods robes that I have to pay more per figure on. And I honestly believe that, to a degree, these vintage cards make them more collectible and harder to find. I don't know that we've ever had as much trouble finding figures as since the vintage collection started a couple years back. That's when I had to join the One of Every Figure Club. That's when I gave up. Wave 3 of Vintage was the end of my store running as a guaranteed way to find the figures. Yeah, because you just couldn't get it. Not that Clone Wars has been that much better in its distribution, but I would really like to see them scale back a few dollars per figure. And I know that brings in the conversation, but what about the articulation? If they cut back the cost, they're going to have to cut back what they give. They're not going to give the accessories. They're not going to give the articulation. But by the same token... Some of these vintage packaged figures are repacks anyway. I'm in because I'm a Star Wars collector, and in our very zero episode, we say, are we diehard Star Wars collectors? Well, I'm in it to the end. Charge me $100 a figure, and I may not get an opener, but if that's Hasbro's MSRP, I'm not down, but I'll do it. <laughs> but I would much rather see them bring the price back down to a reasonable amount, if for no other reason I think it's better for the line. It is. Right now, there's way too much going on in the line. There's too many lines. There are, and it's just, it's confusing even when you know what you're doing. I have to worry about all these extra lines and anachronisms. And... It's really funny how far I've come because not only am I willing to pay $16 a figure, but I never, ever had considered before shopping by the case. And I know there were people who told me, but you pay a little bit less per figure and then you trade off your spares and this and that and the other. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And now it's like, I never don't. <laughs> oh, what a slippery slope collecting. <laughs> How quickly you lose all of your rules. And finally, with store reports, been following Dan Curto on Facebook and he went down to Disney this past weekend for the Tatooine Trader Build-A-Droid. And what a fuster cluck that's been. <laughs> Buster Cluck. <laughs> they ran out of hats. Yeah, I, this has been a common theme since they started doing this Build-A-Droid down at Disney, though. First they ran out of legs, then they ran out of bodies, they ran out of hats. Well, they ran out of certain bodies, yeah. but they ran out of all hats. And they ran out of all middle legs. And so you had to build a droid with less pieces, pay full price... And they wouldn't let you take other spare pieces. Dan had asked if, since he couldn't get middle legs, if he could take extra domes. No, no, you can't. This is a huge failure in Disney. And Disney is one of those companies that they don't fail. No, and you got to wonder if there's some heated discussions between Disney and, say, Hasbro Distribution, who has to get well, them those parts. Yeah, I kind of wonder that, don't you? There's a common thread here. Who makes the toys? Uh-huh. But... I'm sure you'll be able to hear Dan talk all about that with James Burns over at the Burns Curdo podcast, which you can find at curdoburns.com. 
Welcome to the podcast arena, or welcome back, guys. As you recall, they did our April 1st show. Now they're doing it monthly over at curdleburns.com. Yakface posted about some really cool new Star Wars iPhone cases that are coming out soon by Power A. I mean, these are just tremendous designs. They've got an R2-D2, there's a Chewbacca... Poster artwork, droids of Tatooine. These are all coming soon. And I, I should mention that the Chewbacca is fuzzy on the back, which makes it super duper cool. R2-D2, it's actually textured. It's engraved. So it's not just this flat case with like a skin. It actually feels like maybe R2 would. I really like those ideas. I also like the poster artwork and the droids of Tatooine. I may need to get all four of these they're for the iPhone 4 or the 4S, just in time for the iPhone 5 to come exactly. out. Exactly. This is my problem with iPhone cases. If you recall, at Celebration 5, there was a line of super-duper cool iPhone cases for the iPhone 3. The 4 had just come out. So, lost out on these. And now I'm going to lose out on these, too, because I guarantee I'll have an iPhone 5 before these even get made. They may be out first, but that's perfect for me, just long enough to use them before we put them in the collection, because they're too damn cool to ruin by keeping them in a purse or a pocket. Are you really going to use them and then put them in your collection? I may tell you that until I sneak them downstairs before they ever get taken out of their package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see how this is going. They are really cool. They beat down anything I'd seen before, and it may be worth getting... What we don't know is the price, but it may be worth getting one of each for the collection and then one Chewbacca for you to use and one R2 for me to use, or vice versa. What's great is they have all those R2-D2 noises on the iTunes store, so you can make your text message sound an R2 and your new email sound a different R2. You can even assign it so that if somebody you don't like text messages you, R2-D2 makes a sad sound. Aw, that's not fair. They're going to be thirty nine ninety nine. Okay, so we don't get one to use at all. The Chewbacca and R2 are thirty nine ninety nine and the other two are twenty nine ninety nine. It's a lot of money for a phone that's not gonna be around much longer. Hopefully they will expand to the iPhone five. In other online shopping news, Sideshow put up the pre order for the item we talked about before. The Hunt for the Jedi, Shaq T versus General Grievous Diorama and it took some back and forth between Reverend Strone and I in the forums to finally realize this is from the end of season one of the Clone Wars. I kept thinking season two of the Tartakovsky Clone Wars series on Coruscant, but no, this is season one, the very first appearance of General Grievous where he starts hopping on one leg, and it's actually really comical if you think about it. But here it's a more realistic portrayal of that encounter. And looking at it, I was really hoping Grievous would be very, very cool. And he is very detailed, but I just don't feel the piece is worth 350 Maybe seeing it in person will change your mind. I've always been lukewarm on the Sideshow dioramas. The only one I've ended up buying was the Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader exclusive that had the glass backdrop of the Millennium Falcon and the Death Star. The rest, I've always felt they're just too out in the open. I love the backdrop they did for that Death Star one. The rest just, the backdrop is your shelf. Mm -hmm. And it's Shakti. Shakti is the other problem here. Grievous is great. The base is great. And you have to understand, I know this is hard to visualize, but from the one I own, this thing stands a foot tall. It feels big when you get them. These are about 10-inch figures. But Shakti, I'm just not loving the portrayal of her. And her facial expression just 
doesn't do it for me. Neither does her robe. Grievous is great. And if you had put a different Jedi in that place, not Shaggy, but somebody else, I might have gone for this one. But as it is, I think I'll save my money for other sideshow premium format items. They keep teasing those droids. They keep teasing that life-size tonic carbonite. 350 is too much to spend on something I don't love 100%. I concur, and I'm glad you're being reasonable. And speaking about sideshow teases, they did tease as part of their, and I'm not entirely sure what they're doing, but they're doing a San Diego Comic-Con reveal based upon how many followers they get on Twitter and how many likes they get on Facebook. But they've now teased as part of this that they're doing a snowtrooper. I do love snowtroopers. Odds are from the pick, this is going to be in the one-sixth scale, continuing that line. And... I pick and choose on the one six scale lines. Snowtroopers, they're up there as my favorite trooper type. So maybe. They are one of the best. They're little half capes. Just show their badass. Yes. I figure we'll probably get a good look of him at Comic-Con if he's not a Comic-Con exclusive. But speaking of Comic-Con exclusives, Diamond announced they will have a San Diego exclusive Bust Bank, only it's not a bust, it's an R2 unit again. We talked about the Jawa on a previous show. Who's collecting these? I'm just kind of curious, or is it just something you buy for fun? I know there are collectors of these. I've met some of them at these cons. I know Barrett is really big into these banks. Well, the thing I actually really like about Diamond Exclusives at San Diego Comic-Con is if you were planning on getting these, you don't have to wait. You can pre-order it right now at shopafx.com. They have all the Diamond-exclusive San Diego Comic-Con stuff, which is just this for Star Wars, but there's some non-Star Wars items as well. And I got an item like this last year, and no worries. No carrying home. No shipping home. That's the easiest way to do it, I'll be honest. So Walking Dead, Batman, Avengers, Spider-Man, or Battle Beasts, all of it's over at Shop AFX, and you don't have to worry about doing it at the con. What you do have to worry about doing at the con is the Hasbro exclusive, though. Yeah, Hasbro's killing us with these how to ship things. It's like they're in with FedEx and UPS all of a sudden. Last year, shipping that Death Star home was, let me tell ya. It was high. I was not happy. And I don't know that this year is going to be any better with this carbon freezing chamber. Actually, the carbon freezing chamber may not be so bad to ship because it's not as long on any one edge, and it would fit in a nice square medium-sized to large-sized box. However, if it goes over those magical measurements, you know. Yeah, but it may not because it is pretty square, whereas the Death Star was so long and flat. If you look at cubic area, they might be equivalent, but because of the length and width, no matter the depth of the Death Star, you were getting surcharges left and right. Literally. But they did release high-res images of the Carbon Freeze Chamber exclusive that they're going to be offering with the six figures and the exclusive Jar Jar Binks and Carbonite. And I just pray that they have better stocking of their exclusive at Comic-Con this year than they did last. It's not so much a stocking as the line management as well. True, but they did sell out. Yeah, they did. They sold out of almost everything by the first full day. And they were doing capped lines. It was crazy. Let's hope they learned from their experience that, yeah, people are going to 
line up literally to pay a lot of money for these full wave sets and not underproduce and not have the line management problems they had last year. And if you're not so worried about that exclusive figure and the exclusive packaging, over at Brian's Toys, you can get all of Wave 14 on these chase cards or on the regular cards. I almost wonder if it might not be a situation of like the first day of issue Yarna, where more first day of issue Yarnas were made than not first day of issue Yarnas, because they are shipping these, at least initially, in equal ratio. Hmm. So if you order a case of Wave 14, you get 12 figures, one full set on the regular card, one full set on the variant card. So that means it's not the weird two per case like the Ultimate Galactic Hunt was. Of course, I consider any vintage figures an Ultimate Galactic Hunt now. Yeah, they're just not foil. I don't see the difference here. If they reship Wave 14 in later sets without the variant cards, then yes, the variant cards will overall be more scarce. But at the moment, I see them shipping equally, plus the Comic-Con exclusive of the variant cards, showing me more ways to get the variant cards than the standard vintage cards on these six. That made my head spin. And don't forget when checking out at Brian's Toys, if you do buy Wave 14, you can buy either of the cards or both. Be sure to mention you were referred to them by Star Wars Action News. And remember, Brian's Toys not only wants to sell you Star Wars toys, they want to buy your Star Wars toys. You'll know that Brian's Toys is a great place to find older from vintage to 90s Star Wars toys. Right now, they have up a prototype micro-collection Millennium Falcon. So a way to get a prototype for your collection. One of those really rare items. And they get it from Star Wars collectors. So if you want to sell from Brian's Toys, click the link on our homepage and go see how to do that as well. And finally, a bit of online news. Kotobukiya is continuing their silicone trays. And those are great, too, because you can do anything with them. You can do ice with them. You could do jello. You can do chocolate. There's so, always room for jello. There is always room for jello. You're absolutely right. But they're coming out with Death Star. It's about time. It looks great from the picture they posted on Facebook. I'm really liking this. It makes more sense to me than, say, the Stormtrooper heads. The Stormtrooper heads, you know, they're cute, but their first round of tray items was so perfect. Their second round was more, oh, okay. And now they're back to a perfect item. And you know what? This is the ball, mm-hmm. not like just part of it. The tray makes one giant Death Star ball. How cool is that? So check out that picture, and I bet that we get a good look at that at Comic-Con. Next up, we have Steve the Ginger Prince with a special UK report. Greetings all, this is Steve the Ginger Prince, man in the UK for Star Wars Action News. And I'm sure you're all desperate to hear about how I celebrated the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Was I on the River Thames, waving my Union flag as Her Majesty sailed along in the Royal Barge? Was I in the grounds of Buckingham Palace, glass of champagne in my hand, enjoying Cliff Richard at the Jubilee concert? No, was I Eckers-like? The only Queen I'm interested in is Amidala. So instead, me and my lovely wife Suzanne took a trip on the train down to Stadium MK, the home of the Milton Keys Dons Football Club, for our second convention of the year, Collector Mania 18. 
It was our fifth collectomania in Milton Keynes, and it's always an odd convention. Nowhere else can you take a break from the con to watch a spot of footy out on the pitch. On the day we went, there were a series of charity matches going on. It's also unusual in that it's the only convention run by showmasters that has free entry. Good news, because I always end up spending quite a bit at this event, it really has got a good mix of guests and vendors. Our main target in the autograph hunt was someone who we've tried to get a signature from twice before, but failed, as he pulled out of the events at the last minute on both occasions. Brian Blessed is the ultimate Englishman. Classic TV and film actor, he's climbed Everest three times and been to the North Pole. But top of all these achievements is that he voiced Boss Nass in The Phantom Menace. As soon as we got into the stadium, we joined his queue, only to be told to get out by one of the event stewards. Apparently, they were only allowing 50 people to queue at a time, and we had to take a number and come back, a bit like waiting to be served at a deli counter. We got ticket 389 and instantly my heart sunk. They were still on 0 to 50. There was no way we'd get to see him this time. Our return train tickets weren't flexible, and by the time 350 to 400 came around, we'd be long gone. Mr Blessed would elude us again. Not letting our failure get us down, we skipped past a couple of the Clone Wars voice actors and on to the remaining two Star Wars guests. Firstly, we met Mr Malcolm Tierney, who played Lieutenant Shan Childson in A New Hope. You know, the Imperial officer who asks Han and Luke, Where are you taking this thing? Malcolm was a nice fella, but a bit on the quiet side, and we soon moved on to our second guest, 80-year-old Shane Rimmer. Mr Rimmer is better known for being the voice of Scott Tracy in The Thunderbirds, but has played many roles in other classic franchises, such as James Bond. He was uncredited for his tiny role in A New Hope, and his character was not even given a name, merely being dubbed the Incom Engineer for Luke's X-Wing. I love chatting with the older Star Wars actors, and Shane is an example of the number of great people who played really minor roles throughout the six films. Autographs done, we circled the stadium concourse to take a look at the cosplayers. The always magnificent R2 builders were there with some funky coloured astromechs, always eager to explain how they create their amazing droids. Star Wars cosplay was limited to the odd Wookiee or Clone Trooper, but by far the best cosplayer on Diamond Jubilee weekend was Austin Powers, who really got into the swing of things, asking some Klingon females whether they'd like to shag now or shag later, baby. Very groovy. From the concourse and into the phenomenally crowded dealer room, there were lots of vendors as always at this con, selling everything you could want from comics to patches. We headed straight for our friends at Starzone Toys and Collectibles, and we're delighted to find that he still had one of each of the figures from the deleted scenes wave of the vintage collection, the wave that I've really been searching for. The Mon Calamari Rebel Pilot, the Colonel Kraken, both of the Sandstorm Outfit Leia and Sandstorm Outfit Lando figures, plus the lightsaber construction Luke. As a plus, all figures came on unpunched cards, straight out of the Hasbro box. The Mon Cal card was badly creased, but you all know I'm an opener, so it wasn't a biggie. The only other time I've seen these figures was a couple of weeks ago at the Star Wars Family Fun Day in Burnley, where I was quoted £15 a figure. Starzone were happy to do them at £10 a figure. Still expensive, but a price I was prepared to pay. And I didn't hesitate. And he even threw in a couple of free lanyards from Celebration Europe, way back in 2007, the first time I ever reported for Star Wars Action News. So now I finally got hold of this wave, what do I think of the figures? Well, you won't be surprised to hear that I love the Rebel Pilot. He's a great addition to the Mon Calamari family. He looks great with his helmet on or off, and has great detail. I love the mottling on his skin. 
The Colonel Kraken is a really solid figure. The sculpt and face are great. He'll make a quality addition to a Rebel briefing room scene diorama. I don't know why they gave him a BFG though. The Sandstorm Outfit Blu-ray deleted scene figures are less of a triumph. Whilst Lando comes with some great packings, he can choose between a skiff guard helmet and a plastic hood for headwear, he can hold a force pike, what looks like a flip-top portable phone, or a blaster, and also has some goggles that look like those worn by Night Owl in Watchmen. But there's one large problem. This is the Michael Jackson of action figures. I've met Billy D. Williams twice. He's black. This figure looks like the king of pop in the late 90s with a pale cream skin tone. I've compared it to the other recent Lando figures we've had, and Hasbro are definitely lightening Lando. The Princess Leia also has its problems. Three things make her incredibly difficult to pose. The soft goods poncho is ill-fitting and has two belt-like strips that don't really do anything but hang awkwardly. The hard plastic hood doesn't fit well over her head and doesn't sit well with her sunglasses, which themselves are a struggle to get over her eyes. This is a classic example of an existing figure, the 2009 Jabba Sail Barge Layer, being reused, with some new accessories that just don't fit the figure well. Lastly, we have the lightsaber construction Luke, the figure from the deleted scene that we all saw for the first time at Celebration 5. He also has some great packings, two lightsabers, one lit, one not, some sort of spanner, and a utility belt. Again, I have problems with this figure. I can't get his utility belt on, and the soft goods cloak is massive, and doesn't really fit the figure at all. But worst of all is that the famous Skywalker hair is parted on the wrong side. His hair parting is on the right, not the left as it should be. Hairdressing aside, I've posed him using the spanner to tinker with a lightsaber hilt as if he's in that cave on Tatooine. I wish they'd included that scene at the start of Return of the Jedi. The Blu-ray deleted scenes wave was not the only action figure that I bought. I also picked up a vintage 1999 R2-B1, a figure I love and only recently acquired for the first time when my best friend Paul picked him up for my birthday. I've not opened the figure that Paul bought me and I'm displaying it in my collection room in a star case. However, the card is of a poor quality and when I found a vendor with one on a much better condition card at £15, I picked it up so that I could open my existing droid and display his little shiny metalised dome instead of the dull grey painted dome of the more recent version of this figure. Having picked up six action figures, we had a look around for other Star Wars offerings and stumbled across a couple of things of interest. We found a vendor who we've bought from before at UK conventions who specialises in making machined aluminium props. In the past, I've bought Kamino and Sabre darts, droid restraining bolts and key rings from them. I was interested to see that they'd started to use the Kota Bakia ice cube moulds to good effect, producing Han Solo in carbonite, fridge magnets and paperweights. These items are obviously made by filling the Koto moulds with some sort of lightweight resin, but they look really good. They've been painted really well, and even if some of Han's fingers are incomplete, for a couple of quid each, they're a nice buy. Lastly, we stumbled across a stall that was selling all sorts of badges and buttons, bearing witty slogans or symbols and images from familiar TV and film properties. I was glad to see that they had a Star Wars section, and for 75 pence each we picked up 8 designs. We got 6 that had a Star Wars take on some familiar logos, a Boba Fett twist on the Burger King logo, a Mos Eisley Cantina twist on the Hard Rock Cafe, a Jabba twist on the Pizza Hut logo, an Alliance twist on the Reebok Sportswear brand, an Imperial twist on the Adidas logo, and a badge that suggests Jedi should just do it. The other two we picked up were a badge depicting the classic Empire Strikes Back poster and one with the Rebel Alliance logo on it. So, we left Collector Mania 18 with a smile on our faces despite missing out on Boss Nass yet again. And there's now only one more convention between us and Orlando in August. 
And on that note, I'll hand you back to your hosts, Marjorie and Arnie. Thank you, Steve. Good to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed the Queen's Jubilee. I want a Jubilee for my birthday. Understood. Well, finally this week, we've been talking for a couple of weeks about some high-end items that arrived a few weeks ago, and we're finally getting a chance to open and review them. And one of them, I haven't opened it yet. I don't know if it's broken. (laughs) The Sideshow Hot and Carbonite arrived again this past week. Got my fingers crossed. But we'll get to him last. First, we have from Gentle Giant's big sale a couple months ago. I ended up getting two of their cantina statues. And the first one is the blue snaggletooth cantina statue limited to 400 pieces. Despite being limited to only 400 pieces, it ended up having to be sold at a good discount when I picked him up. We've seen them at several cons, but I have to say, honestly, things look different when you get them home. They do. They do look very different. And sometimes in the noise of a con, an item that's really nice can kind of get lost in the hustle and bustle. And other times at a con, things just look differently scaled with the giant ceilings and the big floors. He's smaller than I thought he would be. He meets my expectation in size because... He's pretty equivalent to the other General Giant statues I have. Now, General Giant statues range in scale all over the map, though, because the very first General Giant statue you bought me was the speeder bike one, and he was really small at about six inches. Then you can go all the way up to, say, the Count Dooku and Asajj Ventress or the Royal Guards that stand over a foot tall. I love those Royal Guards, too. They're stunning. This one is 12 inches. And he's sitting on a bar stool, giving it a nice little relaxed atmosphere. It's like he's kicking back in his man cave, talking with his buddies, except he's going to shoot somebody. Yeah, because he's holding a gun and a drink. Yeah. Something's gone wrong at their gathering. Perhaps it's a family reunion. Well, they've done three of these. Walrus Man, Snaggletooth, and Greedo. And I almost wonder if it's like the Beastie Boys from Paul Revere. (laughs) Yeah. Now, unlike Walrus Man which is the one I haven't gotten yet because they didn't have him discounted, but I'll pick him up someday because, you know, me and partial collections. Waiting for your sale. But he just comes with a bar stool. There's no section of the bar for him to lean on. And his base is very basic. It's just the standard Gentle Giant black matte side glossy top base. That said, I really like the wash they gave his outfit. In some of the early production pictures I'd seen, he was in a bright, bright, like almost royal blue outfit. And here he's in kind of a greenish blue with got some dirt on it, like he's been working on a ship or something. I know Wikipedia tells me he's a tortured artist, but to me he looks like a mechanic in this overall. Maybe that's his day job until his dream comes through. Have you ever thought about that? Honestly, I hadn't. I mean... Maybe he's working at the ship garage until he sells some at his upcoming art show. Well, that would explain the ever-so-fashionable silver boots, which I want this coming winter. I want silver knee-high boots. They're like duck feet, though. Look at them. Something's wrong with the edge of his feet. And he must have some kind of weird toes because it looks like his little pinky toe is separated out from the others in his boots. (laughs) So he must have some really weird feet. They did a great job with his face and his skin. They really did, I think, a great job of 
modernizing this character that's really known for just being a hard-to-find vintage figure. I mean, you wouldn't know Blue Snaggletooth if it wasn't for the Sears. That is correct. I did have trouble getting his bench into the base. The little tip that you put into the base was surrounded by what looked like electrical tape, honestly. And I was toying with, am I supposed to remove it, or is it the electrical tape that provides the grip once it's in? Because that's the only place it really has support. His foot, when you do push it down all the way, touches the base, but it's not providing balance. It's 100% the nub that goes in. Well, by applying gentle, steady pressure, I was able to get it in without any problems. And I like it. I don't think that it's worth the 120 they were asking for it originally. I looked on eBay. I see people asking 250 for it. I don't think it's dynamic enough to warrant that type of expenditure. I got him for 80 And for 80 in my new scale of what things are worth, where a three-and-three-quarter-inch action figure is 16 I think this is a real good 80 Mini busts these days have an MSRP of 80 and I like it a lot better than a mini bust because you're getting the whole figure, you're getting the silver boots, you're getting the gun, you're getting his smile and his beady red eyes. I'm happy with them for 80 Yeah, my one complaint is he's just there. If they were going to do the Cantina aliens, they really, or even the Cantina, they really could have done something tremendous and had it going over a year or two and done maybe the Cantina bar. Well, if you remember, Hasbro did that many years ago when you and I were dating. No, we were married, weren't we? Maybe just married. Maybe both. It actually may have been around the time when we were married and were engaged and over there, but they had the sections of the bar that came with each that you could connect. I do remember that because I had to buy those for you in Decatur. They were hard to find Walmart exclusives. They were. And I won't even talk about the Jedi points auction for the rare ones. Oh, yeah. But here, knowing that later in the series with Walrus Man, they'd include sections of the bar, I almost wish they'd found a way to do that. Not all gentle giant statues have the round bases. Most of mine have trapezoidal bases, or Really, they're rectangles if you look at them from the top, but then they have the angled sides. I think if you'd done something like that, you could have created a statue diorama, which would have been unbelievably cool instead of just having them piecemeal like this. Well, the base actually looks like the, the round base from those Kodo statues a few years ago, the bounty hunters. Yeah, but I'm pretty happy with them. But we'll move on to the next one, same series, Greedo. And you know how I feel about Greedo. And Greedo does come with the cantina bar section for him to lean up against. He's chilling like a villain with blue milk. He is. Now, he's got his gun out, too. I guess it's just everybody at this cantina just always have your gun out. It's easier than tipping. Oh, well, yeah, I guess you don't have to pay your bill if you have a gun out. But I do like the bar. Why couldn't they have done something that with Snaggletooth? Yeah, if you look at it as a series, I'm disappointed in how Snaggletooth fits in because he has a round base. This is back to the rectangle base. This comes with the cantina bar section. It is a very not detailed bar section. There's not a whole lot to it. It's a couple of slabs of polystone and some airbrushed weathering. It's very basic. So I would have liked to have seen it a bit more contiguous, although notice it doesn't extend out over the base here, so they still wouldn't have attached unless they made it a little wider, and they would have just had the tops be able to touch. You couldn't have had the bases touch. No, and then it would look weird. So maybe there just wasn't a good way to do it. I'm liking Greedo a lot better. He's standing up. 
He's got his legs crossed and he's holding his milk. First of all, I love Greedo's fingers, although the one holding the glass, I could certainly see as a break point. They're, you know, gentle giant statues being as fragile as they are. Yeah, and the tips of his fingers are like suction cups. Which is perfect because that's what they should be. And I love that detail on him. He always has had extraordinarily long fingers. I will never touch that statue because of his fingers. They also did a great job of the brills on his head. As one might imagine, knowing I'm a huge Greedo fan, I'm very Rodian specific. You knew brills. I'm excited that you knew that. That means you are pretty into Rodians. I didn't know what those were called. Well, I just called them brills. I don't know if that's actually. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it is, and I'm remembering it from Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, but they look like brills to me. But all the bumps on his head, his ears, the detail on his head and hands is astounding. His outfit, very muted colors. I've seen it all different colors in the Hasbro toys, from muted to vibrant. Also in different lighting, it looks different because it seemed to me Rodians only had one outfit, didn't they? All Rodians wore that. But I like this one a lot more. It feels bigger because he's standing. Yeah, it does. And I'm just, the more I look at it, the more I'm concerned that it's just going to be breaking everywhere. I, I don't think he's secure on the base and on the bar. I have a problem again with the base. This one didn't come with the big round peg with the electrical tape. It was a more standard metal peg that just goes into a small hole on the base. But he's got his elbow out. He's supposed to be leaning on the bar. But when I put him in, I had to kind of twist him to get it just right. The elbow actually went below the bar. So if oh. I want it on the bar, I have to raise him up a little. I ended up finding just the right point where it looks like it's touching, but if you got right there, you may see there's actually no contact that might over time cause chipping of the paint. Not that I'm particular about these things or anything, but I felt that was the best way to go. A much better piece. This one had an MSRP of 160. I paid 100 and very happy with it for 100. Again, limited to four pieces. Now this leaves the one I don't have, Walrus Man. He is sold out through General Giants, although, hell, they found some Republic Commando busts that they could ship a while back. Maybe they'll find a few more. He had an MSRP of 160 because he sold out. The only ones on eBay they're trying to get 300 apiece for, they're not going to. <laughs> From the pictures I see online, I got the best two of the three, though. And I'm not just playing Sour Grapes, but he comes with another Cantina shelf base. And his face, it's always been a little bit... Are you looking for a clean term? I am. I can't find one. So, depending how you want to look at it, it can look like many parts of human anatomy. And... They certainly did it justice from the pictures I'm seeing on General Giant's website. Plus, I've never really been able to come down on the hand thing. I do love that they did Finn Hand or Wolf Hands, but if I ever see him for the hundred I paid for Greedo, I'll pick him up. And if I don't, well, I'm certainly not going to give somebody on eBay 300. <laughs> but now... Uh-oh, it's time. Here's the situation right now is I have one, and it isn't broken in any visible way I can see. Both pieces, the base and the top, look good, and they really do look good. It is really beautiful. I love how tall it is, the way he's suspended. I don't like the base. I never did. I bought him because he's on a carbonite. I don't like that. Here's Jabba's wall, three feet high. <laughs> and then we're just not going to give you the wall. I mean, I never got the impression, did you, Marjorie, that Han was floating? 
No, I thought he was hanging up on the wall. Like a picture. Actually, just kind of like stuck against the wall. Like, hey, it's a nice coat rack. I kind of thought it was like a picture frame. How he then fell, maybe there was some kind of magnet involved. Everything, you know, magnets. Probably super magnets that children shouldn't eat. That's true. But here, with the base there, while I find the look a little bit silly because it makes it appear as if that's part of Han because it doesn't give the effect of a wall... Han looks very good. The whole thing is very lightweight. I was surprised when I held him how light he actually was. He's light. He pretty much has to be because the way he attaches to the base is just sliding on on the bottom, which I'm not an engineer. I don't pretend to be an engineer, but I think there's a reason we usually hang things from the top or (laughs) if we want to be secure both locations. This is slid in horizontally at the bottom. There's a slight bit of an angle to it, but that angle then creates a problem. You see, one of the things that I've been anxious to see in person on this is the light-up features. Now, it comes with an AC adapter. The base lights up as it should, but Han himself is supposed to light up. When I got the first one, one of the top control panels that lights up has little LEDs in it had broken off. I could see the LEDs inside. Well, here, it'll light up if I put in three AA batteries in them but it won't light up based off the AC adapter. And on the Sideshow site, it says it'll run off the AC adapter. Well, over at statueforum.com, there's a 55-page thread devoted to this. (laughs) People are a little bit hot about some aspects of this. Because of the angle of this little display base and the way he goes on, the top of the base hits the slab before the bottom makes full contact. Now... I do want to give it props. I could run this on batteries. They have done a great job of hiding the switches on the Han and Carbonite that turn on the lights. One switch turns on the side panel controls. The other starts the melting Han effect. They are so well hidden that we had to resort to the internet to find them. Why couldn't there have been some instructions? I was feeling all over as gently as I could to try to find if there was a button somewhere. It turns out they're on the bottom panels. If there's instructions, they didn't pack them in with mine or this other guy's. And I really thought I had a completely broken one that wouldn't work with batteries or the AC adapter. Marjorie's Google Foo saved the day on that one. Google Foo. I like that. Thank you. But... We are able to light them up that way. As far as lighting off the base, according to a poster at statueforums.com, Sideshow has sent a form letter saying we are not able to replace the product if it doesn't light up the statue just connected to the base with no batteries. You can either get a full refund or live with it. And that has some people, yeah, pretty hot under mm-hmm. the collar. A lot of these have been returned. I'm toying with it. Really? And this is one of your favorites. It is? It's also a $300 statue. That doesn't work as they said it should. One possible fix is to use just a little bit of cardboard. Because what happens is there's three contacts at the back of Han. There's two little springs which provide the power. But then there's the switch that tells it to turn on because it's in the base. Well, it's that switch, according to them, that's not making contact. You could just scotch tape on a little piece of cardboard. Nobody will see it because it's actually in Han, and it'll fix it. I may try that, but I am thinking I'll contact Sideshow and see what they say. It does work for some people. It doesn't work for other people. And 
a lot of this depends on which customer service rep you get, too, if they may be more willing to help you fix it or not. That's true. It's just disappointing that it doesn't work as designed or advertised. And I mentioned it was lightweight. It's a psychological thing that when you pay a lot for something that's small, you want it to be heavy, isn't it? It's very psychological. I remember when the Boba Fett premium format came out, a lot of the complaints were, it's so lightweight. Its base is lightweight. His backpack is plastic, and it's so cheap and light-feeling. Well, in this case, I really want Han to be lightweight because I don't feel he's that secure on the base. If he was heavy, (laughs) I think something would break. The base being lightweight is shocking, but I believe it's the result of electronics because it has lights and circuitry all in it. It's just a shell. It is not a solid slab. Well, I'm not crazy about the way they actually designed it as far as mounted in the bottom. I guess it would have been too cost prohibitive to make it the whole way up. It's okay, and I merely fear okay with it, and that's it. And if you send it back, I'll be. Well, if you send it back, I won't be sad, but because usually I'm I'm sad when you send something back that I think you really like and it's broken or something. But this one, eh. I don't think they were ready quite for this yet. Maybe the technology isn't there. The light-up features themselves are nice. I like the ambient lighting of the base. I think that's the one I would use most often anyway. I do like the LEDs at the top, though, and I hate leaving batteries in a device. Mm -hmm. I hate battery leakage. It really is a problem. I would want this to run completely off AC. The Han light-up feature, it's nifty, but it's a gimmick. It is. Now, from you were standing off to the side of it, and I was standing in front of it, it looked pink when I looked at it. When I was standing to the side, I thought it really looked like melting metal, like a smelting device or something like that. When I got to the front, yeah, around the midsection where it's brightest, it was kind of pinky. Yeah. But to me, that's a gimmick. That's something you go, oh, hey, look what it does. Boom. I wish the button was almost something different where there was a little speaker and it would play that really fingernails on chalkboard carbon melting sound and light him up for that for just a few seconds, like a Hallmark Christmas ornament, and then turn it back off. I wouldn't want him in melting mode all the time. I would want his side panels on a lot of the time. Not all the time, but what I'm displaying... I don't want to have to take them off to put on batteries. The other thing is I've already noticed some wear on the base. Someplace you'd never see it. It's on the sticking out ridge. But because I've had a broken Han and now I've got the second Han and we've been putting them on and off the base trying to get it, we're very careful. But because of how tight a fit it is, I've noticed a little bit of wear on that base. Every time you take it off to take batteries in or out, you're going to cause more wear. That's a problem for me. And the saddest part is I look at him And I don't think he's got that much more detail on the front than the Hasbro 12-inch figure from the 90s. That's one of the other things that a lot of people were mentioning in their disappointment with the lights was the sculpt isn't all there. It's got a few issues. It's just not as detailed. It's a haunted carbonate. It's not supposed to have a whole lot to it. It's supposed to be monochromatic, which it is. It's supposed to have the details like the shirt that's buttoned down too far, the curled fingers and the straighter fingers, and the big drooling saliva that goes down the cheek. It's got all the trademark on and carbonite bits, but... There's nothing about it that makes me go, wow, that is so much a better Han and Carbonite than before. When I get to the side panels, the fact that the top two light up is actually a detriment because they look totally different than the other six panels. 
they have a plasticky feel and a totally different sheen. You're right. They do look totally different. It's a shame that the rest of them don't light up some way. I'm not even sure if they're supposed to. I would have to go back to the film to see if they did in the film, but they just look very blah compared to the top two. I know on Bespin, all eight panels lit up. I'm not sure about Jabba's Palace, but they didn't light up nearly as bright, but there were lights on them. So that they just went the gray slab for the other six, that is less accuracy than I've come to expect from a Sideshow premium format item. I have high expectations. They've given me high expectations. Between the Stormtrooper and this, I may be done pre-ordering Sideshow premium format items. What? Well, I guess you've been burned now a few times. That's the problem. We're talking $600 worth of eh. That's a bad place to be. It is. And with the Stormtrooper, it was just overall quality. Here, it's more specifically related to the electronics and what they chose to do and chose not to do. I almost wonder if I would have any complaints about this piece if it was just like it was. But like my Icon's life-sized Han and Carbonite, they just went all silver for all the side panels. Instead of even having any electronics. By having the electronics, are they drawing my attention more to what they didn't do? But no matter, it's leaving me with this lackluster feeling that it doesn't work right. And even if it did, it's not all that and a bag of chips. It might be all that, but it doesn't (laughs) have the chips. And I don't know, maybe my expectations are too high. Maybe because we got such cool pieces as that premium format Grievous, the premium format Vader. It used to be when I would open a sideshow premium format figure, I would just stand there and go, holy bleep, can you bleeping believe this bleeping piece of work? I remember when I got several of them at once, and it was just a masterful day of looking at Han and Leia and Luke. And even though those were early ones and the head sculpts weren't entirely there, they were just so detailed and the cloth worked so well, the soft goods. And now, between their choices of figures that I've been passing on and the last two I've gotten being meh, I don't know. I'm wondering what's going to happen with these droids. And now they're trying to add articulation to them and different displays. I don't know that that's what I want out of my premium format. No, I'm not crazy about the articulation, but I am kind of disappointed. Honestly, I don't know if I'll send them back or not. A lot of it depends on how my conversation with customer service goes. Because I'm one of those people where if you treat me bad as a customer, then I'll return the item just because I don't want to give you my business. Mm -hmm. And I'm still going to give Sideshow a lot of business. Yes. I'm not swearing off Sideshow by any means. It's just their premium format line right now. Everything has its lulls, its peaks, and its valleys, and I feel we may be in a valley for premium format. Yeah, they're just not, eh. Maybe they're rushing them out or something. I don't know. But let us know your thoughts. Come to our forums, our Facebook page, or Twitter. Let me know if you've bought any premium format figures lately. Maybe you've gotten some of the ones I've passed on, and you're really impressed with them. Let us know or send us an email at show at swactionnews.com or voicemail 415-508-JEDI. That's our show for this week. Don't forget our Celebration 6 party on the 23rd of August, the first official day of Celebration. We've got a ticket form online and you can find it at swactionnews.com. And don't forget, if you saw Prometheus this weekend, another sci-fi epic series from Alien, Head over to NowPlayingPodcast.com to see how you can hear my review of it along with Stuart and Brock over at NowPlayingPodcast.com. 
So we'll be back next week, and I think I'll have my next wave of vintage figures here. The case should be arriving, so hopefully we'll get to talk about that. And maybe your voicemail's talking about premium format. Maybe I'll take your figures and put them in target bags to make you feel a little better. <laughs> Hide them in it, your trunk. It turned out I remembered I was wrong. I did buy a Star Wars item in a store this week. Which I mind? forgot. Dark Horse released a new comic. I subscribed to all the Star Wars comics. I got a comic, so the streak is not yet broken. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com and JediTempleArchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved.